Thanks for tuning in to the Boundless Authenticity Podcast, hosted by Jahan Sator, where we discuss everything related to the evolution of human consciousness. Let's tap into the discussion now. This is episode 11 of the Boundless Authenticity Podcast, and it is my absolute honor to highlight my brother in the trenches, Stephen Rivera, better known as Mindful Wizard. By day, Stephen is a mild-mannered education professional, and by night, a mindfulness coach, truth teller, and podcast host on his show, The Search for Consciousness, as well as the author of Musical Clues, learning about the law of attraction through hip-hop. Follow Stephen on TikTok and Instagram at Mindful Wizard. All of the links to find Mindful Wizard and the buy link for his book, Musical Clues, will be in the show description. So be sure to check them out after listening. Wiz, <laughs> how's it going? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jahan, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for the amazing introduction. I'm honored and, uh, and I'm ready, man. I'm ready to learn from you and, and from your questions. You always enhance my thinking. So I'm ready for war, brother, and for peace. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? You know how I do it. I'm a complex character with many questions and many insights. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. It's because I'm always poking my nose in divinity's business. Uh, so my first question for you is, can you share with us the first consciousness shifting experience you had? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. I would say that my first moment of consciousness shifting happened when I got my first surgery in my eye and um, I was unable to change that circumstance. So the only other choice was to accept. And through acceptance, I started seeking a more spiritual path. Instead of resisting what life was offering me, I was blessed enough not in that moment, but I was blessed enough to shift my thinking and to walk towards acceptance. If I had to put a pinpoint on when that happened, I was around 19 years old and I could not avoid going blind on this side. So I had no choice but to accept my current reality. And that was the beginning of this whole mindfulness journey. I actually did not know that until you told me, I think it was our second interview, if you want to call it that. I was like, what? Something's wrong with his eye? What? This dude, this dude looks perfect. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like you wouldn't even know. It just seems so uh, normal. And I mean, life is so life is so random in, in that way. Like you never know what's going to happen for you to kind of push you in a different direction. Yes, sir. We always drop gems. And I remember if I may disclose some of the things that we we talk about. I remember you were talking about uh you said you were you were facing a small issue with jealousy or something like you were working on it. And that got me thinking because jealousy isn't something that I really encounter too often these days. Like I, I, when I tell you like years past and I haven't really just been jealous, it's because of the, the level of acceptance that I try to live my life at. And I'm not saying that to sound like I'm superior over anybody or inhuman in any way. I'm saying that to highlight that, you know, the lower emotions of like jealousy and shame and, and pride and stuff like that. Um, there's certain metaphysical ways that you can teach yourself to automatically direct yourself, you can direct your consciousness always in the way of understanding. That's probably the best way to put it. And it's not that you don't get the emotional sting. It's more of like a, mm. and this, this shock happens where instead of going along with a string of jealous thoughts or comparing yourself, I should say, to somebody else. It's 
you go directly to understanding and it's like it's a miraculous thing and so what i've discovered on that path is that a lot of the emotions that we feel we learn them and we learn how to feel them we we literally learn how to lock ourselves inside of a linguistic prison and when i say a linguistic prison everything that we experience is based on a linguistic prison a cage of words, whether it's a happy event or a unhappy event, a, a good emotion or so-called bad emotion, right? And so what I've come to, to figure out for myself is that we have this cage that wraps around us and it usually begins with, I know what it feels like to be jealous. Does that make sense to you? Yes, sir. And and so it's not that it's not that jealousy is bad at all. Actually, jealousy is a really healthy thing to feel. And in my journey of of analyzing myself, I realized that it wasn't jealousy I was feeling. It was a sense of discontent. You know what I'm saying? Like a lack. Mm-hmm. And it's healthy because it tells us where we haven't been looking. In so many different ways, like where we haven't been looking at ourselves, where we haven't been looking in terms of what we want to create. There's something that we ignore that we that we aren't creating because we've been busy creating something else. And then through that process, I've learned that, you know, in your creation, you can create multiple things all at once. And it's not so much about raising your vibration, but rather directing your vibration towards the things you want to create. So every time you catch yourself comparing yourself, you, you remind yourself, okay, yeah, I must have this program. And so I want to change that program. And you want to swap out whatever that program is with, I know what it feels like to live without this thing I'm feeling. I know what it feels like to live without jealousy. I know what it feels like to live without shame. I know what it feels like to live without guilt. I know what it feels like to live without apathy, grief. You know what I'm saying? And that's such a complex topic because I'm wanting to raise this with you because I see you as a spiritual teacher. I see you as a person that reads things and instead of regurgitating, you gather the insight and then you phrase your insight in a particular way and you you, you share it to people in a very easily to digest manner. And that's what a real teacher does. A real teacher makes sure they know it and then they don't put it down once they know it. They continue to review it because it's a lesson that changes and grows with the teacher as well. It isn't just knowledge. And so I found it interesting when you said that to me, because I was like, whiz? (laughs) Like, it was an expectation, but a healthy expectation, because it was like, yeah, I saw you as being somebody who had mastered that already in a, a way that you can see that I was also comparing myself to you, seeing you as equal. And I sat back and I was like, okay, so, you know, even though I see someone as equal, then you still, you still have expectations. And it's not necessarily an unhealthy expectation. It's now, okay, yeah, you forget that the other person's human because you don't necessarily see yourself as human after a certain point of development. And that's just how self-awareness works. Like you're never self-aware. You're only ever at a point where you are aware of things and then, you know, you you have no fucking clue what you're not aware of. And so I, I wanted to go on that long monologue (laughs) to kind of feel into this topic for for whoever is listening and just kind of explain that you know these everyday things that we think are human are basically hardwired into the dna because we had to live in the energy of competition and suffering for thousands of years to, to get to this point 
So I'll I'll jump in. I, I think um, number one, I need to thank you for seeing me as an equal. I appreciate that. That's it's a big title, so I will proudly wear that, sir. Appreciate you. And um, I love what you said about not being ever self aware. We're just like in this constant state of improvement. So w- what's happened to me, and I've recognized this through speaking with other spiritual teachers, is that I want a lot for myself, and I hold myself to a very high standard, whether it's authenticity or if it's hard work and then you know i'll go online for example and i'll see someone literally putting no thought into for example a video and it goes viral so that bothers me and then i started to ask myself questions kind of like what you're saying about why does this bother me and it gets to acceptance and i dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And one of the beautiful things that has happened during that time is that what up wave God all love brother. Um, one of the beautiful things that have happened is that I've been allowed to transcend jealousy and find the teachable moment. So I'll give you a perfect example of when that happened. Somebody I'm close with went from having, let's say 500 followers to 7,000 overnight. And I was like, you know, the first thought literally was, overnight. what the fuck? It was literally two days, two days. Interesting. And, and I'm like, yo, what the fuck did they do? So that was my first like attack. And it felt like a threat. And then I, this is the important part. I was going to let myself ignore that feeling. And then I said, no, accept it as part of your consciousness and dig deeper to find out what it is that you want. And what I wanted was success. What's perceived as success numbers. And I had to remind myself that that's their journey, similar to what you said about the comparison. And I was able to not only release jealousy, but work alongside that fellow human being to get to our goals together. So, so it was a teachable moment, but what I really liked about it is that I didn't allow myself to live in anger bitterness, resentment, jealousy. I, I, I transcended it. So yes, I agree that most spiritual teachers may not have that feeling, but honestly, I, I don't really know. So I just do my best to transcend my lower vibrational emotions. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is basically disclosure. This is letting people see that, yeah, you know, we are human beings because I find that there's so many people who just kind of hide behind the veil of being this thing. And it's just the same as wearing any other ridiculous label. Like whatever it is that you do, you're a human being, not a human doing. (laughs) And like, you know, when, when people ask me, like, for example, like, what do you do for a living? I tell them, you know, well, I mostly live. And (laughs) some people will laugh and other people will be like, "What, what are you talking about? Like, why are you being snarky? And I'll be like, no, well, you asked me what I do for a living and I mostly live like, (laughs) you know, what do I do about what? Like, (laughs) so it's about where does my, where does my humanity begin and where do my emotions and the things that I enjoy doing begin and end as well. This is what it's all about. It's like, what can we do in these moments? Like when we realize that somebody has something that we feel we should have. And when I say we feel we should have it, like we know that we're putting in the work, like where is, where is ours? You get what I'm saying? And I, I agree with you because a lot of, a lot of people in coaching sessions will be like, uh, you know, this thing happened and I saw my friend was doing this and I felt really angry. And 
I'll be like, well, hold on. Why were you angry? And they'll give me a big, long story about it. And then when it boils down to it, I'll say, you know, what you're telling me is there's an outcome here that you're not getting. And that's why I try to I try to train people as I coach them as well, at least the ones that are open minded and can understand how things work. I try to get them to to know the purpose of each emotion. Things like anger and jealousy and stuff are outcomes that you want, but you're not getting them for some reason. And it, once you know that, it changes the whole game. Because instead of going, oh, this fuck, this fucking asshole, why you got this thing? Like, why do you got like a million and one followers on Instagram? Posting trash. Yeah, they probably might be posting trash, but you got to realize that trash men exist and trash men pick up that trash. So there's a lot of people out there that might like that and they get something out of that where they're at and you know when you're dealing with grief um grief is one of those things that also has a purpose it's not there to totally fuck you up it's there to show you something that you no longer have the capacity to love in the way that you used to be able to like grief is just a, a form of love that cannot express itself in the way that it used to because it's no longer there and so you know, a lot of people that come to me that are depressed and stuff, they have a lot of grief that has been unresolved because they just don't understand how that emotion works. And shame often is like having a certain level of expectation or an idea about how you or something should be. And then you do or say or somebody says something to you or does something to you that creates this paradigm around I am not enough somehow. So, you know, it's in it's in knowing it for ourselves and really we get there by doing the work, knowing for ourselves what each of these things means in order to transcend it, like you said. So what can you say about that? How can you expand on that in your own life for people? I appreciate you saying that. And I agree, brother. Like, I think it comes down to finding kind of like what you said, finding the core. What is the teachable moment here? What is it that I'm trying to learn from still having these emotions. And I think my biggest struggle goes back to this. I should be here by now, or why am I not there? And when those moments happen, it's a reminder, you know, shout out to my brother, Deepak Chopra, seven spiritual laws of success. I just recently overcame reading chapter six, which is the law of detachment. And it's been a reminder to detach myself from this. I'll use what you said, linguistic prisons. Like, oh, I need to be in this point. I don't need to do anything. I need to be. And the universe will create the next step. But I think in my rush, in my, you know, posting six times a day, it lends itself to why not now? And I need to remind myself that this is truly a marathon and I want to be here for the rest of my life. Like I am the mindful wizard forever, regardless of five followers, 20 million followers. So with me, it's just become mastering patience and transcending jealousy for what it is. And I love what you said about a comparison because one of the things I tell myself is, why would you be mad at someone's else, someone else's blessings when those are not aligned for you, right? And, and I see somebody and I sit there and I say to myself sometimes, yo, this person doesn't deserve this. But then I really remind myself, brother, you're making an assumption. You don't know this person's life. You don't know how much they've hustled or what they've had to sacrifice to be there. And then I also, at a deeper level, 
ask myself, am I willing to step into their shoes? And oftentimes I'm not. So I'm jealous off of an illusion. The grass is always greener, right? So sometimes we project this future without knowing that we don't even want that future. So that's some of the things I've had to uh, learn to accept. And instead of being angry by these people, I've learned to learn from them. So that's what I would add to what you're saying to transcend the root. To recap, I would find what the emotion actually is. I would listen to the ego's narrative of it and then listen to the spirit and or soul's (laughs) guiding principles. And that's how I've been able to, you know, I guess survive during those low periods of comparison or you're not good enough or, you know, and another thing I will say is, is going back to detachment. It's the letting go of how it needs to be and trusting that it'll play out the way it should be. So, or the way that the universe wants it to play out. And that's a constant reminder, you know, Steven has his own goals and, you know, the universe has, its own. So it's, it's, it's morphing into one. And that's my patience that I'm working on. Yeah. Detachment is such a strange thing because detachment is like, it's like a tree with all these different branches. And in order to be detached from one thing fully, you got to get involved in something else. And, you know, if you've got like five things you're creating, you got to have at least five, six other things that you can focus on apart from that to yield results and, and to magnetize results in other areas. And then um, you, you kind of have to, you kind of have to have a lot of focus because it becomes like, I continue to say this a lot lately because I, I want to break this, this paradigm that you have to raise your vibration. What if your vibrational set point is exactly where it should be? And what if it, 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 the thing that's holding you on a perceived lower vibration is you worrying about it? You get what I'm saying? So it's more about where am I going to focus my vibration? Where am I going to focus my consciousness? So where is my joy? Where is my creativity? Where, where am I loving more? Where am I finding more peace? You know, where am I getting enlightenment? And so you've almost got to encase yourself in this world where you're constantly reading books, watching videos, um, just listening to things that aren't necessarily the thing you want to, you want to get involved with and not necessarily anything that's going to be sucking you back into the day to day narratives of the world at large. Because that's how I think that's how the majority of people get stuck. Um, you know, they might read, let's use Deepak Chopra again. They might read a book by Deepak Chopra and they're like, ah, now I've got to do every single one of these laws. I've got to stick to it rigidly. And, you know, that's such a, a, a mind thing to do. Like <laughs> we just learned this information. Now we got to really hammer it home and prove to ourselves that we've learned this. And um, you can, you can definitely step on your own toes by being too rigid. And so uh, that entire thing I just said is really just leading to this question of how do we how do we manifest without getting too involved in the idea of it? Because before manifesting came about, we were manifesting all the time. We know this. And, you know, it's easy to forget that because we want this thing and I need it now. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, is it going to, we wake up and we're like, okay, yeah, I'm so grateful. And you write, you know, you write your fucking 10 things that you're grateful for. You mindfully sip your coffee. You do all these douchebag spiritual 
things that they tell you to do and then you're like okay where is it where's my new car (laughs) you get what i'm saying and it ain't like that and a lot of people actually do come to me and they're like ah this thing i want's not manifesting and i was like well says who (laughs) so so i'll jump in i think you make a lot of great points and that's one of the struggles of people like they'll I've, i've seen more like language about like spiritual ego and it goes back to like i listen to the don miguel's and a lot of the things that they said to me, they being Don Miguel, the, the son, him and I had a few conversations. And one of the most important things he said to me was like, are you using the four agreements or are they using you? Because they end up becoming a prison, which we hold ourselves, I guess, to an unnecessary standard. So it's funny that you say that because one of the things that, right, full disclosure, I've been struggling with is learning to appreciate life during those big moments of transition or, or, or something as simple as me wanting to be a motivational speaker in my mind, what this is ego talking, I'll be successful when I'm speaking in front of 10,000 people, but to the spiritual world, how do I not know that I've already accessed 10,000 people, which we obviously have you and I combined have at least 10,000 followers right now. So these numbers that I pull from are, are truly illusions from the mind. And I think we have to recognize the metrics that we use to measure our own success. So I also think, are we manifesting from ego or are we manifesting from fear? And I think that's a huge, uh, excuse me, from, you know, from fear or from love. And that's a huge thing that most people don't recognize that a lot of them manifest with this intention of security. Security doesn't exist. You can lose your jobs tomorrow. You can literally die during this conversation. So I think the goal is to learn to trust the uncomfortable and put your intention out there, kind of like what you did when we started, when you prayed for everybody, I listened to you. You said the intention for the highest good. You didn't say the intention for Jahan in this podcast. You said for the highest good of everyone involved. And when you start manifesting at that level, it comes to you because that's when you're aiding the community. So for those of you that are new to manifestation, ask yourself, who are you creating for? Is it for you? Is it for everyone else? And when you start to be, you know, when you're able to answer those questions, then you can get into, I think, a higher form of of manifestation. That's the thing. In order to manifest, you kind of have to live your life. (laughs) So um, it's it's. A creation process. I'll say that two more times. It's a creation process. It's a creation process. You have to create. If you aren't doing this with the intention of bringing forth what the creator of all that is wants, you're pissing in the wind. Because if the creator wants you to learn a lesson and you want a new Mercedes and the creator doesn't want you to have a new Mercedes because let the next best lesson for you means you're not going to have one, you're not going to get it. And so instead of putting a time frame and all of these ridiculous things that are out there in the mainstream coaching narrative, take, take that all of the, the equation because in life, it's your expectations that are going to cause you the most disappointment nine times out of 10. So take having a time frame, take deadlines, take all of that stuff out of it. And just uh, like I said, in my intention, asked to be guided in the highest and best interests of all creation. Usually if you ask the creator for something and you ask the creator directly, 
you will start getting these little clues and an easy way to know when you've asked for something, but the creator didn't really get what you were asking for is that in within like three days or so you start to realize shit, what is it I really want to manifest? How come no opportunities are coming up yet? Cause the, usually within the first few hours of, of really going into a deep meditation or a deep prayer or whatever it is, you feel the energy about it. There's a sense of knowing that, yeah, all right, this is going to be good. Whenever it shows up, it's going to be fire. Right. And there's just always this really easy slip that you just kind of fall down the hill and just get sucked into desperation and, and this lack all over again. So like, how do we, how do we overcome the feelings of lack? It's a good question, brother. I would, I would say the practice of gratitude before and after, meaning let's say my next manifestation, this is random but to sit next to lebron james during a basketball game right it's a goal maybe a good one or a bad one depends on on who's listening but what i would say is to remind myself and anyone listening that with or without that intention or that goal you're still of value and i think our value needs to stop being created by the things that we have so when I feel not good or unvalued, it's because I'm comparing myself to something. But then I forget the growth that has happened. So what I usually do now is I would love this opportunity universe, but with or without it, I will still continue to carry my mission because it's important to me. And it goes back to understanding Dharma, right? Which is the seventh spiritual law for those that don't know. And it's, it's literally following your purpose. It translates directly to the scope, what you look for your life, your scopus, your purpose. So kind of like my brother Jahan is hinting at, if you look through that scope, then you know what paths to take. That's why the book is called Musical Clues, because you can be guided by the passion of the writers, right? They're musicians. They're, they're creating ideas for you through lyrical form so that you have a few clues to follow. So I would say to answer that question, you have to be able to find gratitude with or without the thing that you're pursuing. And then you'll really have it, right? If it's free to go, then it's, it's free to come to you as well. But if you hoard it, it's not yours because it goes back to the security aspect of it. I totally agree with that. Um, if I can give away some, some, some more gems that people can put into practice. If you haven't really ever just done this, wake up every morning and just be like, just, you know, stick your hands over your head and be like, ah, <laughs> you know, just be like today, you know, today is the greatest day of life there ever was. I'm so grateful for this day. But then, you know, I don't really do the, the whole gratitude journal thing anymore. And the reason why I stick my hands over my head is because that's like, if you change your physiology, you change your state of being instantly. You know, there's a lot of people that are actually depressed and their body language is all hunched in like this. And as soon as you get them to stick, do this and stick their shoulders out and, you know, put their hands over their heads for two minutes or whatever, they start to actually feel better because the body releases chemicals. And what they're experiencing to begin with is just chemical reactions to repeated patterns of thoughts and, and beliefs and stuff like that. Right. So that's usually what I do. I just get up, I stick my hands over my head. I say, oh, thank you. Today's going to be the greatest day of life there ever was. And I, like I said, I don't really do the whole writing down of gratitude things. 
that can be nice sometimes if you like you have time to to kill and you're waiting for somebody to show up or whatever just you know get curious and start writing things down that that you really love but i don't really do that because i've taken the the conditional aspect of gratitude out of the equation for myself completely and it's been like that for a few years now and so my manifestations are more more speedy with coming to me because i'm no longer so happy and grateful for this thing like i don't give a fuck about it i'm just grateful you get what i'm saying and um, you know, that's, that's another paradigm that I, I try to break a lot because people will do, you know, these free webinars, these courses and stuff online and, you know, Tony Robbins and all these well-intentioned folk put out there, but it's, it's just that one level of information where you're like, Oh, well, write down the things you're grateful for, but why do I have to be grateful for those things? Why can't I just be happy to be fucking alive? Like, <laughs> you know, why can't I just be grateful? Because if you think of yourself really, really realistically as a soul, a soul is only inside this body for a particular time. But when your fragment of consciousness goes back to the creator, you don't have anything to be grateful for. You're just happy out there all the time. <laughs> so it's about acting as if you were back home where everything is instant. And so that's a gem I wanted to make sure and drop for people. But I, I wanted to move on to things that you do in your daily life, because in your daily life, you work with children with special needs. And what are some of the mindful tools that you use? and teach i can't let that that nugget of wisdom fade though <laughs> you are you are a wise one brother from my first timers this handsome young man is dropping some gems about fifth dimensional creation right are you creating from love are you creating from the 3d plane so i, I like that a lot brother but back to uh what i do i've mastered or, or let me let me remove that word i've worked on mastering patience. So if I see students about to fight, perfect example today, 9.30 in the morning, minding my own summons around the bathroom, I've learned to observe before I react. And one of the things that has been working for me is remaining present during chaos. So everybody's screaming, freaking out what i do number one is a signal wizard you're nervous relax the body so i usually smile and loosen up the shoulders kind of like what you're saying right I, I tell the body you're not in threat brother you're protecting people from threats that subtle shift allows me to remain in the body i observe the things around me and i observe the biggest threat so specifically to the two young ladies that were about to fight. One of them was walking away and she was already with two school safety agents. She's not the concern. She cannot get away. The concern is the young woman, young lady that's walking with me. So I had to learn kind of like a nurse. How do you triage this situation? How do you make sure who needs the help? Which situation is less urgent? And how do I instill mindfulness in these decisions. So after all that, I bring the young lady back into the room and this is a huge moment of growth. She says to me, I'm always in these positions where I have to fight. I pause her and I say, no, my, my beautiful child, <laughs> you put yourself in these decisions, uh, in these situations by making the same decisions today, even though it's very difficult, I want you to try to make a different decision. And see how differently your life plays out. And when I said that to her, she was very bothered 
because nobody wants to hear how they're the captain of their own sinking ship. But I had to really poor decisions. And you're just living with the consequences of those decisions. I said, if you don't trust me, try it today. Make a different decision that the new you deserves. And hopefully your life will change. And, and that was at nine in the morning. The young lady did not get physical. They did not fight today. That's six hours together. So something that we said planted that seed of tranquility. Awesome, man. That's pretty damn good, you know, and it, it's safe to say to move on to my next topic. <laughs> the adults are fucking nuts these days. Huh? Like it's the kids, the younger generations that are going to really make the biggest impact if they can see everything that's going on and some somebody around them, the circumstance that they're in is going to foster some kind of mindful awareness and also the ability to critically think. Critical thinking seems to have gone out the window these days. And, you know, I, I got to be a truth teller. So I have to say things that people could perceive as being negative. And, you know, unfortunately, truth is hardly ever negative. <laughs> truth is always just the truth. It's only somebody else is labeling it that makes it so. Um, oh yeah, and Truth Cats came in the, the chat. Forgot to say hashtag Occupy the Getty, um, and that's another story in itself. Um, so you know, in your work, how how do you teach kids to think critically? Do you even like is that even allowed in your in your schooling system to like pull a kid aside and be like, hold on, this thing happened, or you failed this thing because you weren't critically thinking? Here's how you think. A little bit better about that dude like is that ever something that you do so you know god or, or whatever you want to call it the divine plan is very wise because i've been promoted to a dean of students which has its pros and cons right the pro is that many pros and cons but one of them is that i'm not in one classroom i'm not stuck teaching one subject i'm not focused on math so I have the benefit of dealing with students after either, either right before a situation happens or right after. And there's so many raw emotions there. So I've taken classes of, you know, de-escalation and traumatic crisis intervention and all these fancy terms, but it really comes down to empathy and learning what a person needs, what need is not being met, whether it's safety whether it's attention, whether it's love, then I'm able to quickly assess what that person needs in the moment. So yes, I'm able to teach critical thought, but I don't label it that way. I'm very careful with what I share because lo and behold, the powers that be, and I guess we, we might eventually get to this point, they want a very herd-like mentality. So when I teach... I'm very cautious of using secular terms with a spiritual goal in mind. But yes, I always, or, or a lot of the time, will focus on behavior and where it leads to. And it depends on the level of the child and their consciousness. Sometimes it stays very simple, like, you know, you hit someone that's bad. Other times it's, you know, you tend to get aggressive with females because you hated your mother. Like it depends on the level of yeah. severity. And, and you as a life coach will know we deal with everything from, you know, I get mad at the color red to 
I'm going to kill myself because my father never loved me. So it's, it's a lot of teaching and it gets exhausting, but I do it because it serves the highest good. Like I'm always teaching. Somebody says I should grab the burrito blanket. You want me to grab the blanket? Yeah, I, I love that, man, because that's what the kids need. And let me give an example, because, yeah, we, we are going to get to that topic. Um, with the majority of people are either not aware of it or not willing to become aware of the fact that the world is built on and ruled by fear and control. And so one of the purposes of being a truth teller and really, you know, with my other guests talking about the gigantic elephant in the room, uh, that bitch Rona, um, and all of these different things that are devised and designed to keep us small. We have to put focus on this because what kind of world are we going to create for our kids and the other generations if we just sit idly by and allow people to be used for experimentation, to be suppressed and if we're telling them that, oh, okay, let me not, let me not go that route. If we're telling them things that's basically boiled down to spiritual warfare, psychological warfare, mind control, you know, that's, that's a lot of people's lives, honestly. If it was like five, 10, 15, maybe a hundred, let's go as far as a thousand. Sure. Fuck them up. But, you know, on a global scale, this is happening. And, how are we going to create something new in the middle of what is obviously a collapsing of structures if everyone's too afraid to face the truth of what's happening? And there's so many people out there that would much rather adopt as, as, as my, my dude uh, Jason Kristoff says, the go-along-to-get-along attitude. But the go-along-to-get-along attitude, it's no longer serving us. Like the better way to say that is that the go along to get along doesn't equate peace in the long term. And the people who create these problems for us and who want to control everything that we do are very good at playing the long game. And so we also have to get very good at playing the long game, very good at critical thinking and questioning everything. And we also have to teach the kids to do it. And in many cases, the kids are smarter than we are. Let's take, I, I've been talking about her a lot recently. This kid that got sent home 38 times because she didn't want to wear a mask. And her parents said, well, honey, if you don't want to wear a mask, do you stand up for what's right? And she's eight years old. <laughs> she's just like, I don't want to wear no mask. I ain't doing it. Like something's wrong with that. And we see all of these really strange things where they've got these videos online of these kids and they're only like two, three years old and you pull the mask back and their tongue is out because they're gasping for air. Like they're still trying to figure out how to be in their body and they're being robbed of basic things like the breath, which is the most important thing. The thing you do every single day without fail, you have to. And the brain is being trained to not be able to recognize patterns because, you know, the brain has that hardwired thing where you look at someone's face and you can tell if they're happy or sad or whatever. If you, if you overstepped a boundary, all these different things. And we already know that we're at a point where people now of a certain age, well, not even of a certain age, people in general have to relearn what boundaries are. Because before social media, we talked to each other. You couldn't run away from somebody. You had to call them up. You know, you call up the landline. 
if you're lucky, you're calling from a payphone or something and you got to leave a message and they'll call you back if they're not home. And then, you know, maybe you see them at the store or something and you say, Hey, I was calling from you earlier. I got this issue with you or I got this thing going on and I need to talk to you. And you had to talk to you. Like, you couldn't run away. Like even when, even when things were really archaic and you would see like these two dudes rolling around in the street fighting or whatever, then you'd hug each other afterwards and be like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. Like you talk to people, you communicated. And if it ended up in like a fist fight, you still had a, a, a resolution or you decided you, you had to walk away because this person did something that was so shitty that a light on podcast holla this person did this thing that was so shitty that you know some resolution did come out of it but nowadays you just block people or you leave them on red and all these other insidious behaviors that now people don't know boundaries and so they're walking around and there's more people pleasers than ever before so it's it's an extremely loaded gun it's like a a barrel full of explosives (laughs) i agree brother and look man what I would say to this day and time is the power of questions. I go back to, I don't remember if I've ever told you this story, but I've been a truth seeker, right? For now going up to, I don't know, 15 years. So I'm going to answer this question to the best of my ability. Being a truth seeker and being ostracized only bothers those that love society to the point where they will follow a blind society. I've been ostracized by the intellectual community since I was a youth. They used to see me and say, oh, this kid talks too much, but he's not smart. Now let's look back. I have two fucking masters. I passed the principal exam for New York City. So obviously there's something there. Now the question is, what inspires me to educate myself. It's things that people don't answer. So let's get back to when I was 22, 10 years ago, working in a jail. And I used to have a lot of aggressive students. And one day I let them watch a conspiracy theory movie. And that started to have a ripple effect. I showed it to them on a Friday and they rioted on Saturday and Sunday. They refused to eat. They refused to go through program. They, they refused recreational stuff. When I came back Monday, they sat me down and they said, what the hell were you showing these kids? And I said, I didn't show them anything. I led them to a certain truth. And ever since then, I saw the power of good questions. But I also saw how the whatever you want to call them, I call them the demonic agents how they work to, to suppress truth. Then I started to get bullied. Then I started to get harassed by big, scary, strong-looking men that worked at the jails. I also found the coincidental that my paperwork was lost so that I couldn't teach a few days after that. So I started putting two and two together, and I said, wait, my curiosity is going to get me killed. So I still spread and speak my truth, I'm just more careful about it. The old wizard would be up there on a stage, you know, talking to 23,000 people, whoever would listen. Now I'm very specific with the message and I make sure that I get it through. So I don't know if that was a question, but how I handle that is by still speaking my truth 
in a delicate way because I know what truth can do to an unprepared mind. And also, since you started this conversation, because you know <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bad wizard, I want this world to crash, if you will, because this world, respectfully, in my opinion, does not service humans the way it should, the way it was designed to. We're in competition. We're killing each other. The planet is bleeding. Obviously, something's not working. So, oh, also, I will say this. That's why you got to read good spiritual texts. I'll show you. This book was written over 30 years ago. A New Earth, or whatever, 20 years ago. Totally knew what was coming. So if you read the right text, the spiritual teachers have been warning you that this time is here. So I've mentally prepared for the collapse of the old civilization. We are the shepherds of the truth and you have to kind of be willing to die for what you believe in. Last thing I'll say on this topic is that my name is Stephen. And in the Bible, Stephen was one of the first martyrs, meaning that he was willing to die for what he believed in. So it's symbolic that in this reincarnation, my name is Stephen. So I hope that means something to those listening out there. Good answer. Good contribution. Um, I agree with you. And it's not from the perspective of like, if these are the end times or anything like that, because I think that um, people don't, and if you check the work of Jordan Maxwell, he also talks about this very eloquently and in an easy to understand way. He says that so much of what's in the Bible isn't necessarily about a repeating cycle that, 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 humanity goes through for example the end times theory is that everything that happens is related to what goes on in the stars so we have like the the tarot and we have astrology and those those ways of understanding things and so we've just come out of one age and we're moving into another and so that's really what the bible is telling you right there because everything biblical actually is dictated by you know the the different houses and and stuff like that so it's not that the whole world's going to end. It's that the ways that we've been doing things are no longer working. And we have a choice now. Are we going to choose to live in a world that's ruled by chaos? Or are we going to speak out our truths individually to change the collective? I, brother, I, I agree a thousand times over. I think that... It goes back to what you said about fear, though. Fear goes with stability. You, t I'm, you tell me what I'm scared of, and then you sell me the solution. Yep. Right? And, and I don't want to say, like, I told you so, but, but I'll <laughs> say this to the fucking followers. I told you something big was coming, and I showed you the evidence in how I was preparing my immune system. This is, this is just partial suggestions of what i've been working on this is elderberry syrup it's a very strong berry to boost the immune system and and i and i you can go back and look at my old videos and i remember saying to somebody early in february of 2019 i believe i said something like yo i don't know why i feel the the, the need to share this message but you need to start strengthening your gut flora and bacteria prepare so that no one has to tell you how to live. 
and look at the times that we're in. So, so there was something I was channeling at that time. And, um, you know, what's his name? Uh, Dr. Selby, Selby. He says, if you're not your own doctor, you're a fucking fool. He doesn't <laughs> curse, but I curse. So <laughs> yeah. you get the point. Like, And you can trust modern day medicine, but at the same time, do your own research so that you're not relying on a person that you don't know that's making hundreds of dollars off every single visit. When these bottles that I just showed you is less than $16, and I've been drinking this you know, three times a week for fucking two years. I don't know what sick is. Right. Thank God, of course. But I'm just, I'm just sharing with you. There are things out there, man. Yeah, I was saying this to, uh, I was saying this to one of my other guests earlier, um, and it was, it was that everything has gone so far in the wrong directions. Fear is the primary mechanism by which you control people and there's so much emphasis on how to spot a narcissist and my question at all times is why is nobody looking at that list of narcissistic personality traits and saying oh shit that's cnn that's the government (laughs) like why is that like why is that cognitive dissonance there why do you think that is I think that's a great question and i think that to bring it back to the biblical times if you will They used to say that the spirit, which embodies Satan or whatever you want to call it, operates on lies and fear. So as long as people don't know what they're being guided by and guided to, it's easy to listen to the news. It's consistent. It's quote unquote reliable. It gives answers in a world where people need information. So I would say that the news is one of the most powerful sources of disinformation ever available. Not to mention there's a huge financial push to keep these narratives alive and well. For those of you that have done your own research on natural healers, they don't last too long. And it's not because they've been taken out. Uh, It's not because what they do is wrong. It's because they've been taken out and they've been silenced. This page, Mindful Wizard, was blocked from going live for two months because I spoke out about COVID for two months. So, and that was an opinion. So if that doesn't have you questioning something, y'all bug now. Another one, see, Jahan, you got me started <laughs> on TikTok. They, they shut me down in real time live while 30 people were watching because I asked some very important questions. So I think once we live in a world where we're not allowed to ask questions, that's a problem. Why do you think this podcast, the one that I've created is called the search for consciousness? Cause I'm constantly asking questions and I want to expand my consciousness. So, so I would say when society is not allowed to question freely and speak freely, we've gone very far in the wrong direction. And fear is the catalyst for that. If you're fearful of physical death, then they can do that to you. Um, First thing I want to say is that, you know, people interpret whatever they want anyway, based on their internal representation systems. And so an internal representation system, this is where I'm just teaching the listeners, an internal representation system is a collection of coping strategies that you've 
uh, gathered throughout your whole life that you use to solve every problem that you have. And so it's easy when you tell somebody and you say, hey, you know, the fucking elites are trying to kill us. And they say, yeah, well, I, I know that. And then they go back to doing everything that they do that plays into being manipulated and controlled by it. And it's kind of like a game of whack-a-mole. Like you whack them on the head and then they go back down. <laughs> <laughs> and they come back out and in, and, in, and like that game just never really has an end. You just reach a high score, but nothing happens to the mole. <laughs> so uh, another teaching point here for, for the listeners, because this is also so much about providing information that people can say, oh shit, that's how my brain works. Every time this thing happens, let me notice it. These cognitive distortions, that's the name of it. And a cognitive distortion is a mental filter that you pass information through. So you said something that was so pinnacle, the need to be informed. The brain literally has an installed mental filter. I need to be informed. So it's also a filter and it's a belief system that comes from fear. And what happens when you, when you get afraid? I need to know more so I can protect myself. And so the media is capitalizing on um, this, this gross anatomy of human beings, the shared brain function that says, I need to be informed. And so that's why when people get addicted to watching the news, they're really just addicted to like what, what they call fear porn. So it's, it's, so it's ridiculous because then you become trapped in a battle with yourself. What you know is true and what you know is it's false, but you get such a nice charge from it that you just you can't look away. And and it's better to involve yourself in that narrative than to actually go and ask questions about what could be going on. And another thing I want to say too is that you know in this paradigm of of things not being good or bad until you label it. So if your journey as a soul is to actually come here and be a part of this, the undoing of society. And so be it. If you if you're supposed to take active part in that by compromising your integrity and you know going and getting the sticky stabby and you end up ruining your whole fucking life, well then that's actually your journey and nobody can get in between you and what's really divinely meant for you. However, it would I find at least it's a real big question of my integrity as a truth seeker and a truth teller to just sit here idly by and say stupid new age crap that just completely borders on denial that there's something happening that's affecting people because I don't care who you are. Even if you're somebody, I don't have enemies, but even if you're somebody that could potentially be my enemy, I still don't wish bad on you. I still want you to be alive to do whatever evil it is you got to do. Like you do you, honey, boo boo. Like what the fuck? Just do your thing. Like I don't have to be in the same space as you get what I'm saying. I want you to be alive because there's, you know, when it comes to creation, everything is perfect. And it's not my job to say that the, the evil that's happening isn't perfect either. It's just that if you, if you don't use your voice, you're participating in evil. If you deny it, you're participating in evil. If you're one of these people who gets into the new age philosophies of like, oh, I have to stay on a high vibration. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to talk about that. Then you're participating in evil. And so you're still lowering your vibe anyway by ignoring what's going on because we have brains to process. <laughs> so that's all I'm going to say about it before I you know, get up on my pulpit and start throwing Bible pages at people. <laughs>
No, I think I think you make a lot of great points, man. And I think that's another thing, like this toxic positivity where I have to be good all the time or I have to lie to myself or I can't question when things are wrong. We 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 are curious by nature, by design. And it goes back to that point that when that gets removed, it's part of a society that I don't I don't want to be a part of, nor do I want to represent. So I've been working on creating my own matrix, if you will, where I live you know, happily in my own universe, not worried about what the masses are doing or taking, you know, for lack of a better word, brother. But, you know, we're, I think we're on the same page. Yeah. So that leads me to three things and two of them are your next questions, but it, it's just a, a contribution. You know, we have somebody that's a massive truth teller like David Ike, And, you know, David tells you, look, this new age philosophy, this toxic positivity is going to bury you. And if, if you're really manifesting and you are very aware of what's going on, the fear and the manipulation and the control and you, and you take action, you're going to manifest for yourself a life that's completely outside of being a victim of that. So it has nothing to do with denying it and being so positive that you're just hoping and, and praying that you're not going to get touched by any of it. Like nobody's untouchable in life. So I definitely agree with his philosophy that, you know, you keep your thoughts positive, you stay in love and through everything, no matter what happens. And you work on creating the life that you want for yourself and you want the world to share in. And you're going to end up manifesting a completely happy life and be able to do things that are completely outside of the narrative, no matter what it is. And you're going to be able to help people. And that's how you, I really feel that people need to, to wake up and be aware of what's going on so that they can live their lives in a more empowering way, basically. So the next question isn't so much a question, it's a quote that I want you to comment on. And it's by Whitley Strieber. Um, so Whitley Strieber is a, a pretty old guy now. Um, he's been into meditation and like near-death experiences and all these different things for a long, long time. And um, essentially, he has a book called The Afterlife Revolution. It inspired me a lot where his wife had a near-death experience. She died and came back. And she knew that she was going to eventually die for real. And so she spent a lot of time training him to know when she was talking to him from spirit, from the other side. And one of the things that Whitley says that I thought would be such a perfect thing to say to you in this is, we live in the world as it appears, not as it is. In other words, we live by assumptions. We cling to them, desperate not to fall into the reality of mysteries and questions in which we actually live. What does that mean to you? I love that, brother. So I would say that is very profound. I would also say that the ego needs to be right. It seeks to be right. But I think all the information in the world will have the smartest of men and women continuously seeking the Einsteins, the Teslas. And only through knowing that this shit is an illusion will you be able to look past it. I know that the spirit world, whatever you want to call it, is very real. I also know that a specific group of people are more aligned to it 
So it, it it doesn't sound you know foreign to question that 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 reality of what is real and what isn't. But I think when you're you're so focused on just you and your next meal or getting to the work, you don't have time to question these things. And you know reality is designed in a way that if you know I start asking questions, it's oh there goes that wizard kid or that conspiracy guy. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier that this world isn't designed for the thinkers. It's designed for the people that consume. And if you're going to pick a side, be willing to accept what it is that comes with that. I'll shout out the first matrix movie, you know, Neo's by himself. They go find him. Right. He, he's, he doesn't go out to the club and look for Morpheus or the white rabbit, the white rabbit and Trinity. They come to him. So it goes back to what you stated about the clues <laughs> and another powerful piece, because, you know, I'm channeling my inner Dumbledore all day. They get they get into a cave. And Harry asks Dumbledore, how did he know that this was the entrance? And Dumbledore says, all magic leaves clues if you know how to look. So that is my answer to that profound quote about what's real. You can also turn yourself off to this information, but if you're meant to experience it, it will find its way to you. And that's for the listeners in there. Definitely feel that. So my comment there is that, you know, that's why when you, when you see something, warn a brother. That's that old that's old, that old joke. When you see something, warn about yes, it. Because you never know you never know who threw you. Yes, sir. You're you're the white rabbit. Because you remember in that scene in the Matrix, um, the thing comes up on, on his screen and it says, Follow the white rabbit. And then his door knocks and he goes and he opens the door mm-hmm. and he sees the white rabbit tattoo on the girl's arm and he changes his mind. At first he was like, No, I, I don't want to go with you. And then he sees it and he says, Oh. Yeah, I think I can do that. <laughs> you know, so you never know. And it's important to keep spreading awareness of all things, but not necessarily in a way that corrects people, you know. But if if for anybody that's listening out there, if you have something to say and you, you feel like it's the truth, start a podcast. You can do it now from your phone with Anchor. Like you just talk into your thing, you run out of ideas, you pause it, you come back and, and go again later. But you got to spread the word of whatever it is you believe in because consciousness, and this is one of my quotes, consciousness observes itself through the minds of billions. So at the end of the day, the game is about up-leveling your consciousness and creating. And, you know, in this way, we're all just observers and equally creators. So it's about, you know, the collective experience. And so, you said success and magic leaves clues, right? Let's talk about musical clues. What's in the pages of these books, man? It's <laughs> a great question. I wanted you to, yeah, I wanted you to give us, give the listeners your favorite musical clues and talk about them. No problem, brother. I'll, I'll focus on two of them. For those of you that don't know what the book's about, it's basically about 108 different points in hip-hop rap music 
where artists are using the law of attraction in a way to either create their life or manifest it. And then I've noticed that a lot of successful people use very similar language. And when I accessed that, I said, wait, there has to be more to it. So I started digging deep, digging deep, digging deep. So the first one that I can recall off the top of my mind is, is, is pretty simple. It's a Jay-Z line. And he says, we get together like a choir to acquire what we desire. So I'm like, oh, that's fancy. What does it mean? And I started asking. Now there's a line in the Bible that says, and this is Jesus speaking, according to the Bible. He says, when two or more are gathered in my name, there am I. So now we got, we get together like a choir to acquire what we desire. Jay-Z, we have when two or more get together in my name, I am there, Jesus. And then we got my brother from Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. When he says that if you really want something, one of the fastest ways to manifest it is to create a mastermind group. When two or three or more brains are vibrating on the same frequency. So now we have three completely separate texts, the Bible written over 2000 years ago, early Jay-Z. We're talking about early nineties and now Napoleon Hill, which was written, we're talking about 1920s, 1930s. So these three texts are referencing a very powerful spiritual law. So I started, I started searching for that. Hence the name clues, because you never really find the full puzzle. You just learn how to access it. So that's, that's piece one. I really love that. I hope that line resonates. I hope it, you know, hits home with the people. Another thing people don't know about books is that I always wanted to be a writer, but self-doubt came in. I started working at Barnes and Noble. It looks like most people assume that I would stay an employee at Barnes and Noble. I motivated myself and, 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 you know, thankfully was able to get a promotion into teaching and all that led into where I'm at now, but I will never forget the roots of mindfulness and hard work at Barnes and Noble. So it, it means a lot to me to find my book accessible on a website for a company I used to work for. So all that comes full circle. And I know you said a few lines, so I'll share one more for the road. It's um shout out to abstract. He's a rapper. He says, I am more than I imagined. I am personified passion. I am pedal to the metal. I can never settle flying or I'm crashing. So I'll say it again because it's, it's really that many bars. He says, I am more than I imagined. I am personified passion. I am pedal to the metal. I can never settle flying or I'm crashing. And I used to practice that because it emulates my lifestyle, right? I always knew that I was more than the words. I always knew that I was passionate about it. I just had to make sure I was going in the right direction. I was good at whatever I decided to do. But then recently I've decided to be great at something that I love which is teaching and mindfulness. So musical clues is just another way to teach the lessons embedded within spiritual texts and the law of attraction. And I hope that you guys can check it out. It's only 1111 and it's available on a lot of major platforms. Links in the bio. <laughs> awesome. And the link to it will be in the show description as well. My man. Well, awesome, brother. You got any questions for me before we wrap it up? I would just say that you and I... I think are a masterful combination and we should get together 
often to drop gems. As for the questions, I think you do a great job of explaining, but I just want to thank you for your time. I want to say that I appreciate you and, and the way you see things. I think you're a great host and you, you always add something to my thinking. So I want to publicly just thank you for everything, brother, for real, for real. Well, thank you very much. I always, uh, I always walk away with things like, even if we just joke around or something real quick on Instagram, like I'll, I'll usually walk away and be thinking about something random. So it's almost like we got ESP and like (laughs) higher knowledge comes together, but that's what, that's the stuff I live for. You know, people try to give me these accolades and they're like, Oh yeah, you're so advanced and stuff like that. And I just say, no, I spend a lot of time off planet and I look for, I look for the things that hurt and I look for the things that aren't really being talked about. And I go, why, (laughs) why is this not being talked about? Like what, you know, how do I not know about this thing? And, uh, that's just, that's just it. You gotta, you gotta be a seeker. Even if it's not the truth you're seeking, look for something. God damn it. Like (laughs) you will find more than you bargained for. I agree. I agree. That's why, you know, you and I are, are united. You're boundless, constantly searching. You're not bounded by, I'm also a pursuer, right? I'm not saying we got here. This is just the beginning and I'm, I'm just excited to be a part of the ride, brother. So, so thank you for your constant boundless searching. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'm going to wrap it up and uh, this is the end of the episode. So thanks for being on the show. Once again, we got to do another sequel sometime soon. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. God bless you and continued growth. Um, I appreciate you. And I hope that this platform reaches as many people as, as necessary, brother. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, boss man. This has been another episode of the Boundless Authenticity Podcast. Stay updated by clicking the subscribe button and follow on Instagram at Jahan Sator. J-E-H-A-N-S-A-T-T-A-U-R. As always, love and blessings and thanks for listening.